I got back home or while I was there, I was like, this is the happiest I've ever been. I want to do more of this. And I was hell bent on taking control of my life and figuring out a way to structure it where I can travel when and where I wanted, where I had autonomy and where I was doing cool and interesting things. I started getting pretty deep in lifestyle design is a term, but just thinking about how to approach your life and career. And a few months after that trip, I read The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss, which a lot of people have read and usually has a big impact. And it did for me. Welcome to Behind the Stays, a podcast that shares the stories behind your favorite Airbnbs and the hosts who've made them memorable. Behind the Stays is brought to you by Sponstaneous, a free weekly newsletter that brings you a carefully curated list of last-minute deals and upcoming steals on Airbnb. Sign up at Sponstaneous.com. I'm your host, Zach Cruz. Enjoy the show. You're a kick-ass Airbnb host. In fact, you've done such a great job at marketing your short-term rental on Instagram that you're pretty much entirely booked for the next six to 12 months. And while it doesn't happen regularly, every so often there's a cancellation or just one random three-night window of availability in the middle of the week. Now, posting about the fact that you've had a cancellation or that you've got just three nights left in February on your Instagram story is a great start, but what if you could automatically notify interested guests the second a cancellation comes through? And that's where Ping comes in. Ping makes it easy for guests to be notified when their favorite Airbnbs become available. Ping is a simple widget that lives on your website or your direct booking site and integrates with your Airbnb listing and allows your fans and followers to sign up to be notified if their preferred dates become available. Here's how it works. Jimmy sees that you're booked for the whole month of October, but he wants to be notified if any three-night window in the month becomes available. Jen is a returning guest and wants to be notified if any week in June, July, or August becomes available. In a matter of seconds, Jimmy and Jen fill out the simple form and will be pinged if their requested dates become available. And as a host, you will immediately get pinged via email with Jimmy and Jen's contact information and requested dates, which allows you to build up your own database of guest email addresses. Ping, it's what the best Airbnb hosts use to maximize bookings. Sign up for free at www.bnbping.com. Ping. Brought to you by Spontaneous. In just a moment, you'll meet Jack Buck, a hospitality entrepreneur working on his first luxe vacation rental concepts in Sedona, New Orleans, and the Boulders in Arizona. Buck fell in love with traveling after taking a motorcycle trip across Vietnam a few years ago. The beauty and the adventure that the country offered, coupled with the community he found while traveling, inspired him to work on projects in and around the travel industry. In this episode, you will discover his thoughts on the democratization of hospitality brand building, why he thinks the future of travel will be communal, and how he's designing highly experiential stays for the next generation of travelers. All right, without further ado, Get ready to meet Buck. All right, Buck, if I were to crash a happy hour with you and, and some of your closest buddies, and if I were to tell them, hey, tell me, tell me about Buck. Like, who is he? What does he think? Like, how does he think? 
what are what are a couple things they might say? Probably thinks too much. <laughs> Works too much. Um, nonstop. Yeah. Those are I some guess good ones. Nonstop energy, working, thinking, um, and hopefully risk taker. Okay. I like that. I like that. All good adjectives, uh, all good descriptors there. Um, so I'm excited for this convo, dude. We we first connected uh, a couple weeks ago. I guess I guess we had connected in Sam's STR crew, like Facebook group, which was set up by by Sam Parr. Um, and is it just a, a cool, fun little like resource and community for anyone in the space? So actually, just a, a quick plug for anyone listening: go and check out Sam's STR crew. Um, and I think it's actually pretty easy to get in to gain access to the group yep. so if you're looking for a cool group of uh, a cool community of folks who are new to the space and or who have been in the space for a while that talk about cool ideas most folks seem to have some sort of like business or entrepreneurship sort of background so it's a, it's a great resource for 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 those um who are looking for something like that but anyways we connected in that group and then we dm for a little bit and we hopped on a call a couple weeks ago and you told me that you spent time in vietnam uh, on a motorcycle, like motorcycling around. What What is the story behind that? Yeah, so I was thinking back, I was, I'm travel obsessed and I was more so than sometime during college, my junior year, summer, my buddy was backpacking Europe and I never left the country and I was hounding him. Like we gotta take a trip next summer. I was following along intensely on Instagram. He did it for like three and a half months and everybody he met over there backpacking was like Vietnam's place and motorcycles, the way to do it. Huh? So we just got the idea going. And though I'd never left the country, I'd done some cross country bicycling before. And I like uh, point A to B travel. It gives like a little bit more of a purpose and journey to it. I don't think you need it, but I, I enjoy it. And so that was the idea. And we didn't really have a plan. Me and my friend, one of my best friends from growing up just flew over there and we figured it out as we went. Um, and it was incredible, totally life-changing. And a lot of the stuff I'm doing today is directly because of that trip. Um, so super impactful in a ton of ways. What was, so sorry, like why is Vietnam like the place? Like what is it about Vietnam that makes it an attractive place to do like a cross country motorcycle tour? Well, uh, prices probably prices, first. Yeah. It's like when I was there, it was probably a dollar fifty to two dollars for a simple meal, lunch, um, fifty cents for a beer. Sometimes you could buy a motorcycle for like two hundred dollars. You could rent them for like five dollars a day. Um, because of that, there's a ton of travelers and backpackers there, and a ton of places to stay and like well-established backpacker routes. So I think they kind of, that rolls into each other and yeah. it's been established over the years. I think it's been a pretty hot spot for backpacking for like 20, 30 years. Um, so by now, I think that's why people are going there. Um, and, but honestly, like, you know, some people say that the people there are rude. The people are great. I thought the food is also really, really good. Um, and it's a gorgeous country, yeah. the nature, um, and the cities are incredible. Good to know. I, I don't think to be totally candid with you, I have ever like seriously considered or even really 
loosely considered like traveling there. And now I think I'm going to have to do a deeper dive and, and see, uh, see if it's worth it. Um, so I've got a funny story. I, one of I was talking to an architect, he was like 65 or getting close to 70 and really interesting guy, super young spirit. And, um, I was telling him about Vietnam. He got real silent and weird. And, you know, that he told me that generation, like all his friends from high school got shipped over there. And sure. I think that stigma is still around. And yeah. I didn't even realize that that was probably a couple months ago. I had that conversation and I had never really thought about it. When you're over there, you can feel some of the stuff from the war and there's certain things. But I do think that idea in America is stuck. And that's why when you go over there, it's mostly like UK, Dutch, Australia, um, Europeans in general. Yeah, I would say not a ton of Americans. Yeah, that's a yeah, that's a keen insight that makes a lot of sense. Um, so I'm curious, like you, you mentioned that that experience really shaped a lot of how you think and and what you're doing now. Do you remember like a, a pivotal moment or two from your adventure that like has has stuck with you? And if so, like what is what was that moment? Yeah, well, number one you know, leaving the country for the first time, I stepped out of the airport, totally unprepared. And it was like culture shock, especially in Asia, it just hits you and knocks you on your ass. And it was incredible and wild. Um, but two moments in particular, I remember one morning in Hanoi, I was there for a few days alone before my friend got in and I was sitting at this cafe and they had on the sidewalk down the street, um, they have these tiny little plastic stools and you sit there and you drink Vietnamese coffee, which is like condensed milk in black iced coffee. And sometimes it has egg whites in it. And it's so sweet. You can't have more than one. But I was sitting there and all this absolute insanity was happening in the streets. And there's just people sitting there at the cafe, like sipping their coffee. And I just went about my day. I was reading and then started walking around Hanoi and that like witnessing the pure chaos of that culture, which is so normal to them being in a place that was so different than anything I've ever seen back home. And that was probably my second day there. I think that was super pivotal because it broke the idea of this perfect little glass bubble when you're kind of in your life in the States and everything like works and makes sense and is good. And if it's not, you know, the world is ending, you go over there and it's, you realize there's like a whole nother world outside your little life. Um, yeah. And I would say, uh, the second one we did four days up in a, me and my buddy did four days up in this Northern mountain range. And basically you, you get together with like a group of people and you go ride motorbikes through the mountains and they literally cycle you out. Like you get to a hostel the next morning, whoever's there, they just throw you on motorbikes and send you on your way. And there was 30 of us in this group. And for four days, we just traveled around. And within that group, we made this smaller group. There was like eight people, my buddy and I, and some from all around the world. And the friendship and bonds in those four days, literally, that we made were some of the strongest in my life. And when we every night, you basically get to a homestay in one of these tiny mountain villages. And they have food massive amounts of food prepared for you a ton of uh happy water which is like rice moonshine essentially and you just eat and you have this big family dinner and be 
because you're like with the same people every day and kind of struggling along and going through the journey, you just get to know each other super fast. Um, so it was like a very intense, like relationship building. And I think what was powerful about that for me was being away from the States. And this is probably true for anyone. When you're away from home, you're away from any sort of like past, any sort of ingrained routines that you have any sort of preconceptions you have or preconceptions and notions people have about you when you're physically detached from that you become like mentally detached from that I think for me that allowed me to just kind of step back and watch how I acted without being constrained by any of that and it allowed me to learn a lot about who I was essentially and I was young at that time so it was super helpful yeah yeah what I mean, what an incredible experience, and you know, I think just a true testament to to the community feel, uh, and re- and really just sort of like the the relational feel that traveling, especially internationally, can can give to you. And it's often in my you know experience in in very uh, unexpected situations where it's like all of a sudden you might be in a country where no one speaks English, and then you hear a little bit of English, and then you go over and you realize that somebody's from the UK and you, you can understand each other. And like, there's this instant, like, you know, bond because you, you speak a similar language and you wouldn't otherwise, you know, go out of your way to go approach somebody at a bar or at a, at a cafe, uh, you know, in, in the States, but just being removed from your, your environment of comfort uh, again, really does, as you're saying, opens you up and, and, and quite, quite frankly, like, propels you to to step outside your comfort zone and, and start a conversation so uh I, I yeah, love you kind of have to right like everyone's in the same place you're there and you're like alone or with a small group and it's a, you know an unknown country uh but i also think there's something to be said if you're in vietnam and other people are in vietnam there's already a pre-connection like you're in the same place you made the decision separately to end up in the same place yeah yeah and if you're at the same hotel hostel or restaurant you made that decision so like those are big decisions you know flying across the world and i think you already have that pre-established like you're usually on the same wavelength you know you you're not just like a stay at home type person so i think there's that too yeah um, yeah some of the some of the, like the the most fun I feel like I've ever had has been like with like random strangers that I've met like overseas, uh, like some of like the most like memorable, like good fun um, that that I that I've had has been with people that you meet at you meet at a bar. And again, you're, you're both traveling. And so like there's this there's already this excitement. There's a little bit more of like an open posture to like, you know, being spontaneous and and whatnot. And um, yeah, I, lo- I love that, dude. So I, I want to hear the story about how you first got interested in the hospitality space because you're doing some cool things and we'll dive into all of that in, in just a, a little bit here. But I, I believe when we talked a couple weeks ago, you mentioned it had something to do with like yurts in Colorado. So what, what's the story behind how you first got interested in, in hospitality? Yeah, it even predates that. Basically, after that Vietnam trip, I got back home or while I was there, I was like, this is the happiest I've ever been. I want to do more of this. And I was hell bent on taking control of my life and figuring out a way to structure it where I can travel when and where I wanted, where I had autonomy and where I was doing cool and interesting things. I started getting pretty deep in 
lifestyle design is a term, but just thinking about how to approach your life and career. And a few months after that trip, I read The 4-Hour Workweek by okay. Tim Ferriss, which a lot of people have read and usually has a big impact. And it did for me a really big impact. And I did, after reading it, I did this goal setting exercise with myself. I actually dug through my archives and pulled it out, but nice. basically um, it was a combination of dreamlining, which is an idea from for our work week. And then this other goal setting exercise from Warren Buffett that I found on medium um, called the list of 25. And I put them together and I was at home. I kind of had a period of time where I was like, pretty solitary kind of introspective period for like a month. And I really spent a ton of time just thinking about what I wanted to do, doing this exercise. And then where I ended up, I I have and still do have a pretty clear picture of what I wanted. And one of those things was to build hotels. And the reason for that, because I knew I love travel. I knew I love business too. And I love creating. I didn't want to just build or just, the finance side or whatever. Um, and I saw that as a, a business in the space I love the most, a way that could potentially bring me around the world. It's passive as well. After a certain point, you retain ownership. So that was probably the the initial. And once I set those goals and a few others, like I just started working. This was probably a few years ago and things started to come together. I was working at a real estate developer at that time in new orleans and right after the tim ferris thing we started getting really into short-term rentals i had a big part in that so i started learning the space that way i was in finance for a while and then in 2020 during COVID, i quit my job actually early 2021 and i was in boulder colorado and that's when the yurts came in i was doing like freelance financial modeling, but also just carpentry around town. I was trying to figure out what to do next. And I built a fence for this guy. He was like a young dad, uh, but he had a ton of property. He lived on the side of this mountain. And while I was doing this fence, we just became friends. And he was telling me he wanted to put up yurts. And I had enough experience at that time to be like, you know, I'll help you. I was doing like research and modeling and helping him through the county processes however I could. And just, I wasn't getting paid. It was just like for free. And I also knew the experience would be good for me. Um, Anyways, like a month or two later, one of the freelance modeling clients that I had, financial modeling, flew me down to Miami to meet them because I was like coming on board more full time. And we were there at dinner. They were talking about how they saw a glamping project in Colorado I had this catalog of work and I just kind of pulled it up and these two guys are partners and they run a small VC fund. Um, and basically they're like, you know, work for us, do this on the side. If you can get it going, we'll back you. Huh. And so the past like year and a half, the first 12 months of that, I was really just figuring it out. Um, about like eight months ago, you know, we honed in on Arizona. I moved down here. So just figuring it out along the way, but now, we have land. Um, we're doing this kind of nature concept. We're also doing a hotel in New Orleans, which is the guys I'm currently with and my old real estate development firm wow. um, that I worked for. And then we're doing another one now in the desert, same concept, basically as Sedona. So it kind of came together like that. And um, 
Yeah. yeah. And, uh, love it. Yeah. Yeah. Love where I, I'm at. I, I, I love all that context, man. And, and I, I want to circle back to you because I, I feel like, you know, lots of, lots of us have, have also been inspired by, by Tim Ferriss. And I remember like the first time reading his book, uh, for our work week. And again, it was, it was this light, like the idea that like you could be intentional and like design a life as opposed to default into a life that, that, that notion, um, it, it felt like the greatest secret in the world. Like, like knowing that that could happen felt like, like gold. Like I, I remember just, I distinctly remember I was in, I was in college when I read it and I was sitting in a Starbucks, uh, at, at my university. And I remember looking around and thinking, oh my gosh, I've just discovered something that nobody else knows. It, it felt like, it felt like it was like some, like a secret, like that you had, right? Um, and it, it, so anyways, it, it's cool to hear how much of an impact that has had on you because likewise, it's really, it's, and you know, uh, it's so easy to kind of fall out of practice, um, and to, to get busy and forget that you are in control of your life. Um, obviously factors that are unpredictable can and will come up, but his whole approach to lifestyle design, um, has been incredibly influential in, in my own life as well. So anyways, I just wanted to, I wanted to piggyback on that for a second too. Yeah, I, uh, like you said, I have to remind myself of it like all the time. Yeah. It's easy to forget. I felt the same way when I found it. You know, I heard like there's similar quotes too. like Steve Jobs says, you know what? You need to get to a point in your life where you realize when you poke life, something happens on the other side. There's this guy, Peter Levels. He founded uh, this website, Nomad List, just like for travelers. And he's like, life's like the best video game ever. You just have to like, it's got the best graphics, you know, all these levels, you're in complete control. You can do whatever you want. You just have to pick up the controller. And I think with four hour work week, what I thought was really cool about like the dreamlining thing is typically I think people like get on a path somehow, whether it's what their parents wanted or what they thought they wanted, or they just followed everyone. And then you end up and you have your life and you look ahead and people set goals, but usually they're like, okay, here's my life which goals fit within it? Like, okay, I want to go to Hawaii for like two weeks in like three years. Cause that's like when it makes sense. The flip side of that is like, what are your goals? And then how do you make your life fit your goals? Yeah. Yeah. How do you make your life allow you to achieve your goals? So it is super powerful, but yeah, you got to realize every day I'm like, all right, just grab the controller. Let's go. Yeah. And it's, it, you know, one of the things too, that I, that was so impactful for me personally was just realizing like how much time, how or rather how easy it is to waste time, right? Without even being conscious of it, right? And so like one of the one of the things I remember doing immediately after reading his book was he, he I don't even know if he used this as an example. Again, it's been years since I've read it, I, but I don't know if this was an example or something that he said something that inspired me to do this, which was like, turn your phone on airplane mode and don't don't take it off of airplane mode in the morning until you've done like three productive things that could be right, like yeah. working out like reading meditating praying whatever like what you choose the three things that like you want to do first thing before anyone interrupts you i and, you know and then and then you can take your phone off of airplane mode and i remember doing that for like two years like so i've fallen off since but like it was like it was so impactful like it set me up it set each day up so so well. Anyways, we'll we'll table the conversation about uh, or the fanboyism right. over over Tim Ferriss. But um, for those of you who have not read the Four Hour Work Week, highly highly recommend. Um, 
So, uh, Buck, talk to us about these projects that you're working on. So you've got these three unique uh, hotel concepts, you said, in, in Sedona, in New Orleans, and then in, in Boulders, Arizona. Sorry, is Boulders like a – is that a town or like a, an area of Arizona? I'm not familiar with it. It's actually just this property. It's just the property. Google okay. the Boulders. There's a Boulders Resort, which okay. is north of Phoenix. It's not that. There's another Boulders, which is like right in the middle of Phoenix and Tucson, which is probably like 100 miles. Um, so it's like 50 miles from Phoenix. Got and it. it's in the desert. It's like 200 acres. And there's these massive like 60-foot boulders, 30, 40-foot boulders stacked on top of each other everywhere. It's very much like Joshua Tree. Okay, um, okay. So that's one of them. Um, so to talk to us about, talk to us a little bit about the concepts and like what what makes them like distinct. Yeah, so Sedona is we have thirty acres. It's a mount, uh, mountainside property. It's overlooking Oak Creek and this Red Rock Vista. It's right on eighty nine A, which is a highway that goes to Flagstaff. So it's like five minutes outside Sedona and Sedona's, you know, super hot travel market. Yeah. Uh, it's close enough to the Grand Canyon where it's like a jumping off point. Phoenix is close by to fly in and there's like incredible hiking there itself. Um, but the concept is a casita boutique hotel wherein hmm. when each room is, it's not in one building, each room is its own separate casita. And actually what we're doing is, we have eight structures. That's what the zoning allows for. We're within each structure. There's individual rentable units. So they'll feel kind of like a hotel room in a way, but really it's like your own pod somewhere on this mountainside. Okay. And there's one main house, which has units in it too, but the main floor is like total open concept, living room, kitchen, different little reading nooks and bar areas, a huge deck. Uh, a main house, bathhouse, sauna, um, and that can be used by everyone. If the property is rented out for a wedding, that's like the gathering space, but people can convene there, um, use the bathhouse and sauna. So very communal uh, aspects. The boulders is very similar. And the way that happened is actually we came down to Arizona to pitch who is now our partner on the Sedona project. And at that time, they were like halfway down the road of getting these clamping safari tents up at mm. the boulders. And they were like, you know, let's pull that. We want to do, you know, what you guys are doing down here. So I started that in August of last year. Uh, we just had our like pre-submittal call today. We were getting the plans to the county, but basically um, it's the same concept, but because it's the desert, few things are different. Like, uh, for example, the modules are all core 10 rusted steel. Um, they're more like rectangular and fits the environment better. So there's slight design changes aesthetically. We're also doing some like canvas, custom canvas structures that we're not doing up north, but the same communal elements. There's actually going to be like plunge pools and saunas kind of throughout the site. There's going to be a main communal area, a movie the outdoor theater. And the same idea is people come there, you can have an introspective experience in your unit, or you can come, you know, join the community for wow. dinner or a movie. Um, so it's sort of, it's sort of like, it's sorry, real fast. It, it's sort of like tackling the whole, like, Hey, you know, get away and, and get, get reflective, but also like plug in. Right. And like, 
it, it seems like this sort of like hybrid approach where the community, it's not like an all-inclusive resort where like the community component is kind of like forced upon you. It, it, it seems it's like, hey, it, it's it's here, right? But you can also, if you want to stay and, and do your thing and, and, and not and not hang out with anyone, not meet, not meet friends, it's incredibly conducive to, to doing that as well. Is that totally. accurate? Yeah. And part of that is you have to be in an environment like Sedona where there's hiking and things to occupy people. If you're way out there at a resort type place and that's the, you can only kind of live off the infrastructure within the resort, then people do feel forced. But yeah, I think in both of these, you're right. It's a different type of plugging in and you can choose like pop in, pop out, immerse yourself in it or totally stay away from it. Um, for sure. Yeah. That's and, awesome. The New Orleans project is very different. It, number one, it's urban environment. Um, it's right uh, between the city's garden district and warehouse district, which are both really cool. It's in this old building um, that, so it's a renovation uh, or adaptive reuse, I guess. And the concept there, there's gonna be 11 units, but each unit has like three to five rooms, bedrooms in a wow. large kitchen living room area. So it's group, it's like micro, concept of what we're doing in Sedona where like a bachelorette or a bachelor party would book a room or even a block of these units have a ton of bedrooms um and you can go out at night you come back everyone's got their bedroom then you kind of everyone falls out of the room in the morning convenes in the living room and then goes out for the day wow. um, so they're calling it large format like str hotel yeah i was gonna ask uh, so like is is the model like would, would you list these individual units on on like an airbnb or you know other other str sort of uh uh site or like is it will you position it as a as a hotel in the same way that a hotel rents rooms yeah it's in across the three projects i think sedona's more airbnb okay. that's, it's actually single family homes that we're building it's just a collection of them um that we're kind of branding boulders is like off the map so i think it's going to be pretty much like direct bookings because there's nothing near it yeah and yeah. then new orleans i think will be a hybrid where like to get going airbnb is a great marketplace and tool but it will have its own brand yeah uh, I actually started working on this deal like three and a half, four years ago when I was in college working for this group and it's taken this long to get going for a number of different reasons. But when we initially started, it was just, it was really like condos okay. and there was just going to be a restaurant or retail on the ground floor. And as since then, you know, I've gotten more into the space. I think the group I was with my current partners, like we're all more into hotels and more eager to, create a brand. So we're going to do that. Um, we hired like a branding agency. We're working through all of that. So I think it'll be a mix and it may move more towards direct bookings, like branded website yeah. as we go. Yeah. But yeah. And we're not listing each bedroom, right? So like each unit, sure, sure. five bedroom will be listed. Yeah. It's like renting an apartment basically. Yeah. On Airbnb. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing, dude. Wow. I mean, talk about sort of like a diverse like collection of projects that probably like, you know, I, I would imagine it like taps into different parts of your of your creative and strategic brain, like depending on like which one you're focused on. Like, how do you how do you sort of like give brain space to to each of these individually? Like, like, do you do you struggle to to focus on one when you're being pulled by the other or like 
I guess, how do you make time to give each of these projects the attention that they, that they deserve? Yeah. Someone just called this concept, um, concept or context switching. Someone said that to me the other day. I think it's a good, um, way to describe the feeling in the struggle that you're talking about. I do think like a bigger context, switch for me is like, I have an Amazon business. Sometimes I have to switch. That's tough. Everything is hotels. Like that's not as hard. Yeah. I guess I find, cause either it's either you're working creatively on like a design aspect, brand or interior design or exterior, or you're working like logistically on the project management side of things. Yeah. Um, those are pretty much the two major things I would say, at least uh, maybe earlier on, like the financial side when building out the model and doing the research that's kind of done on all of these. But I think the way I keep it going is like trying to keep the concept context as similar as I can. So like if one morning is design, it's design across all three. So that's like the space that my brain is in. But like yesterday and usually every Sunday, it's like all project management. So yeah. I have, Gantt charts for each project in Asana and I sit down and I go one by one through the timelines and like make sure everything's moving along. And that's not as hard, even though the concepts are different when you're like in the weeds, yeah. it's all the same thing. Yeah. Um, but I struggle with that. Like it's something I'm trying to refine that process. Um, but I find keeping that type of work together is better than keeping the project yeah. together. No, that makes it, that makes a ton of sense. Uh, it's, it's utilizing different, you know, different aspects of your brain. Um, so one of the things that we were, we were geeking out on, um, uh, a couple of weeks ago when we were chatting to you was this idea of like community, right. And like the role that community plays in, in travel and in the hospitality space. And you had some like really interesting, uh, notes and ideas on just, you know, how the future of the hospitality space will will become yeah, highly communal and, and highly experiential, at least components of it. I'd love for you to just like muse on that for a little bit. Like what like what does that mean to you? Like as you think about sort of the future of of the industry, how do you see community and and experience sort of evolving to be to be, you know, maybe maybe the heart of this industry? Yeah, I I feel a lot here. It's probably like more than nature or anything. It's like, that's the core thing that I think about all the time. And because like on my Vietnam trip, what made that trip was that group on the motorcycles, you know, going to Costa Rica, the group in my hostel at the beach made that trip. I was doing van life for a while. There was a group of us in Wyoming and Montana that made that trip um, more than anything else, more than any site or like, small individual type experience and at least as i've seen it and i've kind of looked out at what's out there like part of it is i guess as people get older there's obviously family comes into play even before that like you find a partner um i think part of it is like an american thing too but travel becomes this kind of or at least historically has been this isolated like here's your box hotel room at the embassy suites and like, you know, take a cab and go do whatever for the day. And, you know, I could say it's like, Oh, now with zoom, people need connection more than ever. I don't want to make it about that. I think people need it whether we're in zoom world or not. Yeah. Um, and I, I think like, I feel it in my generation in our generation, even younger ones, I think like real life communication or community connection is going to be really 
important in hospitality and maybe it just hasn't been brought to the market enough to really prove it out, but I believe in it. And, um, so you look at the Sedona concept, the boulders concept, like creating spaces where people can come together. Like you said, making sure people don't feel forced like in Sedona, you know, we have different nooks and then we also have wide open spaces. So you can be in the mix or you can kind of be off in your own little pod. Um, but in general, I think uh, that's something that I would like to bring in the projects that I do bring in, prove it out. I do think it will work. I think it will cut. People will have to come out of their comfort zones. Yeah, yeah. I do too every time I do it. But I think it's like what leaves the most lasting and powerful impacts. I think a good a qualifier for that, um, like that group in Vietnam, I felt like I never traveled, right? So we were having this experience. Every day would go by. We were like getting so close. And I'm telling my friend every day, I'm like, these people are incredible. Like, look, this great friend group. We're going to do reunion trips. Everyone was talking about doing reunion trips staying in touch. And the whole time my friend was like, you're never going to see or hear from these people again. Yeah. And lo and behold, he's right. Yeah. He had traveled the three and a half months prior or the prior summer. And he was like, listen, this happens everywhere you go. You like spark up these connections. But I think that's what's so great about it. I think back to summer camp for me, I used to go to this hockey camp at Notre Dame every summer, seven days. You make best friends of your life in seven days. You're like a kid just trying to have fun. And then it's gone in a flash, but it, it doesn't matter. It's about those seven days or those yeah. four days in the mountains. Yeah. Um, so if you look at it for what it is and you go there and you like, like we had already talked about, you have the common bond of choosing the same location, the same hotel. You're, you're there in the same headspace on the same wavelength. I think it, it can create some really awesome like connections that you can either keep with you or leave behind, but it will leave a mark on you. And that's a super cool type of travel to me. Yeah, yeah. It's it's reminding me, I was fortunate enough to go on a a press trip to the country of Jordan a couple years ago. And it was like just an incredible experience. And like likewise, like, you know, this was like a, a business trip. So you were with a bunch of people who uh were were in media and so you had you also had that common bond and you connected, right? Um and I legitimately like became really great friends with these people haven't seen a single one since that trip right and you know there's a whatsapp group that occasionally there's some little bits of activity right. in. Yeah. but it, but it's like but still like i i know like to this day if if i were to ever be there again um i would send photos to this group saying hey you know i'm here back again like remembering these times like it was it was still so special for for what it was and i'm almost thinking like yeah, like how 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 do you replicate that in in other areas in a way? And what was cool about that trip is like while there was this common mission in a sense, like we were on a bus, kind of they were taking us around to, you know, view some some cool sites. It it also there was also lots of flexibility in terms of like how you structured your time. So it it wasn't like a camp where everyone was doing the same thing and there was like the strict agenda, but it also wasn't like a vacation to Jordan. And I think what you're what you're getting at is like there's lots of opportunity to develop the middle, like the middle of like, what does it look like to be able to cultivate and design experiences where people can build genuine community, even if it's for a week, um, as genuine of a community as you can build for that week. 
there there seems to be a lot of opportunity to to further develop that space because there aren't loads of examples at least that I can think of of people that are like nailing that right now there's either like the extreme of like go on like a pilgrimage or like a tour where you're you know it's a it's a guided 10 day experience or there's you know as you mentioned go to the embassy suites and go check out like the beach right like it, it, oh, those God, are those yeah. are the extremes and so I, I love where your head's at, dude. This is uh this is really cool. So so you also talked to me about this concept of like to use a startup or not even a startup buzzword, just like a buzzword. Uh this is graduated beyond startups, but like you talked about sort of the democratizing of hospitality brand building, uh, which I, I love it by the way. Like I, I, I immediately got it and, and and I think it's a great way of like phrasing the idea. Uh but but talk to us a little bit about like what that means to you and like well what is the opportunity that you see here? Yeah, buzzwords are buzzwords for a reason. Yeah, democratization they are. <laughs> is good to say, it makes you feel good and smart. But um, yeah, I, something that I've thought about for a while. But basically, I could be totally wrong about all of this, right? But I look at Airbnb has been around since '08, so. 14, 15 years now. And when it started, VRBO, same thing. Literally, you know, Brian Chetsky and those guys put mattresses on the floor and put it on Craigslist. And that's what it was for a long time. And, you know, it was people in New York City. It was one of their first big markets in San Fran, high rent places with a ton of like business travel, putting their couches up on Airbnb to help pay the rent. And if you look at where it's at now and there's like influencers and you go on YouTube, people doing these crazy cool projects, Joshua Treehouse, these like, there are people doing really cool things. So I'm not saying like this shift is just starting, but that is very recent. Yeah. People really like doing cool stuff, putting a lot of design into their Airbnbs and building brands. And, you know, humans by nature, it takes a long time for perceptions to change and Airbnb's perception of like, mattresses on the floor, couches in an apartment, and just generally like a crash pad at someone's place, I think has stuck around much longer than it's been true. And I really think we're getting away from it because yeah. of some of these early pioneers like Joshua Treehouse, um, Bolt Farms in Tennessee and Charleston, South Carolina. Um, so what that does is like previously Airbnb's brand reputation um, was like inconsistency. You could say at one host and it was one thing, you say at another and it's an, another thing. And consistency of experience is like a core tenant of building a brand. And as a host, you're kind of powerless because if you're an upstart host, you're not going to get direct bookings. Distribution's impossible. So you need Airbnb. If Airbnb's brand is inconsistency, your brand's inconsistency. But as these kind of pro hosts have gotten into the space, both like the big ones like Sonder and Domeo, who's gone now, but others. Um, and then the thousands of like smaller groups that are doing it well and like being intentional about it. I think public perception and trust in Airbnb in getting consistent quality and experience if you book the top listings in any given market is coming around. And what that affords is like more people are going to go to Airbnb more. I think they already do, but also you can put that effort in to design a space really well to build your brand and you will get reap the rewards of that. And it yeah. can be in very small ways. Like number one, I think if your listing has like a brand name before it, 
it already pops out because people are like, okay, this is a pro. Yeah. They have a brand like yeah. I can, this is going to be a good stay. Um, if your visual identity, your photos, your design are consistent and they see multiple properties and they recognize that design and that name, they're like, okay, again, this is a pro that's a consistent experience. And then if you start building up your portfolio across markets, you know, they may see you on the marketplace. So it's all a marketplace. I think the cream is going to rise to the top and those who are doing brands, being intentional, putting a lot into their design, taking themselves seriously, um, are going to win. And there's a ton of opportunity for that because the Marriott's of the world are going to stay over there. Yeah. And I think even like Sonder, they're still on Airbnb. I think they put their listings up, but they largely, they want direct bookings, right? So if you're an upstart and you've got one, two, any more than two properties, start building that brand. I think both in market and across markets, you can build it up and it will have a benefit. Um, that basically that opportunity is there with the trust that Airbnb now has. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, could not agree uh, more here. And, you know, one of the things that I I'm seeing just from, from where I sit here too, is you'll see hosts to your point, get started on Airbnb, um, build up the hosts that are doing this. will have Instagrams with like tens of thousands of followers for their cabins or their a frames. Right. And w once you, once you surpass or, or reach a certain level of audience, once you're booked six to 12 months out, right? Like it does beg the question, Hey, how do we, how do we go more direct? Like, how do we, how do we wean ourselves off of Airbnb so that you're making more money as a host, uh, through direct bookings because of the fact that you've built that brand, right? So it's not, I don't know that I would advise anyone to start a short-term rental and avoid Airbnb altogether, unless you're a, an influencer, you know, already. But I think that like this, this formula, uh, we, we're already seeing it and it's, it's going to, it's going to continue to happen more. And I, I also think about the fact that like, you know, who's going to be, who's going to build like loyalty programs around these like STR collections, like these brands, right? Like what, what is the, what does it mean to in, in the same way that we have like memberships, rewards programs to, you know, to Hyatt and, and Marriott and Hilton, like what, what is the translation to that in the short-term rental space? Like, will we see people, you know, have some, some semblance of a loyalty program to a, a collection of, of STRs. Right. And I, again, I think that this is all still like very, very, very early. And like, there's a scale that needs to be there to, for any of this to really make sense. But I do think like, to your point, the importance of building a brand around the experiences that you're designing, if you're not already doing that, and you want to grow, some people don't want to grow, and that's fine. But if you want to grow, this is this is a no brainer. Um, it's, it's actually never been more important. It's kind of like e commerce in a way like once Amazon and FBA and Shopify came around, start a manufacturing product business. Yeah. 30 years ago, you couldn't 40, yeah. 50 years ago. And now like the road to starting a hospitality brand is a lot easier. I think you're right. Airbnb, you kind of have to use it in the beginning, even those followings, they take time to build. But yeah. You bring up a good point. Like if you are building a brand and doing it right, eventually, like it's not about building a brand on Airbnb because you should and can leave. You probably should keep listings up or at least put them up when you, you need bookings. But, um, I think it's a great like ramp up yeah, it and is. maybe you can be a brand on Airbnb and maybe you don't take it farther. Maybe you build that following and those direct bookings. But, um, I just think there's a lot more flexibility now. Um, and you'll 
prior, it made sense to not put too much into an Airbnb because everyone was throwing Wayfair furniture in there. And number one, people were like not willing to pay more just for like better design and experience because they didn't know if it was going to be shitty or not. Yeah. Um, But now I think they can trust it and whatever you invest in, you're going to get back out. Yeah. And I mean, you know, we're, we are, we're seeing examples of this already. Like I, I had, uh, Isaac French on, on the podcast, a, a couple episodes ago, and he talked about the fact that he's built out a really cool concept in, in Waco, Texas, and 90% of his, of his bookings are, are direct bookings, which is insane. And, you know, he, he just got started six or seven months ago, but he has 40,000 followers on his Instagram, like for, for his, you know, uh, live Oak Lake, uh, uh, collection of airbnbs and so again i think i think to to your point it's it really is about using airbnb as as an on-ramp and again like if you don't want to deal with any headaches of direct bookings and you don't really care about the fees like whatever like stay there but i do think that there is a plethora of opportunity for people to build great brands in this space and to actually become way more profitable with their strs by once you've built up that following removing yeah you know uh, going away from from airbnb and, and recouping those those costs and obviously being able to deliver a more attractive price to your to your customers and isaac's one example i know like two others that i just have talked to who have again done this like they've built up enough of a following where and they've built up enough of repeat guests or people to talk about themselves or talk to others about them that they actually don't need the platform um as much anymore so anyways I think that there's it, it'll be super interesting to well, see what, how all this pans out. One last point there, just because I've been following Isaac French because you kind of like brought him onto the scene for me at least. I I think maybe the point is if you're not if you're getting into the Airbnb space and you're not sure if you want to on ramp and go for the moon with like a standalone brand or maybe you end up just staying within the Airbnb world. Either way, you I personally would start branding yeah. and being consistent with what 100%. you're doing develop a brand name and an image because you have the optionality you can off ramp and explode up if you want you can stay on airbnb and like i said there's benefits to that even just the title and the name um but give yourself that opportunity and i think it also makes you like be more intentional and serious about what you're doing and not just chucking up whatever amazon stuff you can find yeah yeah couldn't agree more, dude. Um, well, this is this has been awesome. Uh, last last question here is just around like what's something you know bullish. Uh, something something that like when you think about like the STR hospitality space, you're just like super super bullish on. It could be you know repeating something in a slightly different way that you've already shared, but like as you think about sort of the future of the space, like what are you just like pumped about? Yeah, obviously I'm building like unique stays in nature, which is like super hot space right now. Isaac is doing that. People, you know, the glamping, the tents, yurts, it's been kind of a fad. I I think it's going to play out. I think a lot of people in the space will die out and the trend will kind of fade away. And a lot of people look at it and I've heard people talk about it like, okay, getting people close to nature, like that's the game. That's why the space is exploding. But I actually think that the uniqueness of the project or property is as important or more important yeah. than the nature. Like if I want to stay in a treehouse, I don't care if that treehouse is in North Carolina or Oregon or Arizona. Like I want to stay in a treehouse. Yeah. Yeah. Stay for a year or whatever. So then you start thinking about, okay, why do people like the uniqueness? I think it's because travel is a chance to break from your routine in your life and try something new 
in a unique space ramps that up like tenfold. Yeah. I think people want that whether they're going into the woods or they're going to Kansas City. Yeah. And yeah. it's going to be in different forms. Like it's not a treehouse in a suburban backyard, but it might be a, a cool um, industrial lofted apartment and it's full of houseplants. Like, yeah full of houseplants, super minimalist furniture, like a cool vibe. And maybe it's called like the jungle. Yeah. And if I'm looking at a listing there, I'm scrolling through and it's all the same, all the same. And I see that and I'm going there for business. I'd still rather have like, okay, I'm going to tack on to this trip that I'm already taking. Hopefully I'm excited about with another component that excites me. And like, just an example for me recently, I was going to El Paso for business. I was looking through all these one bedroom apartments, they were all the same. One was like full on mid-century modern, like decked out. And it was like, I don't know, probably 75% more than the other ones, but yeah. I was happy to pay it because I became excited about staying yeah, there. Yeah. And I was like, I want to try this vibe out. Maybe there's something, you know, the style, maybe just a piece of furniture I take back and bring into my life. Um, but I think any point you can enhance that you know, experience of travel. Sometimes it is just business travel, but I do think like whenever someone's getting away, it's beneficial to create an opportunity where they can try something new, experience something more unique. And I think it's played out in nature. I think urban unique stays are a huge opportunity. Um, Something I'm really excited about trying out uh, after I finish these current ones. Yeah. I, I, I love those, uh, those points and a couple of just a, a quick follow-ups there too. I think that, you know, the biggest, you can stay at a one-star hotel or a five-star hotel, right? And like, obviously the room is going to be different depending on how many stars it has, right? And there of course be different amenities and whatnot, but it's still a room, right? It's still roughly the same square footage, give or take, right? Like it's still, it's going to be set up in, in, in more or less the same way. Uh, the furniture will be better. The mattress will be better, et cetera, as you know, as you move up. But like, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's very similar in nature. Airbnbs, right? Short-term rentals can be anything. And that, and I also right. think like, le- like remembering that is, is super important for houses. Like, no, no, no. Like that, that's also why you can charge more. Like, that's also why you can do cooler things. Like if people are going to opt in for this, it's because they don't just want to, they don't just want a room. Like they don't want it to feel just like a hotel. Like they want it to feel different. And the second point there is, I think this is this is somewhat tangential, but um, I think that there's like a real opportunity for someone to figure out how to do really great STRs for the business traveler. Because likewise, I travel a lot for work, and what I, I try to do Airbnbs as much as possible. But sometimes my work trips are like 36 hours or 48 hours, right? And it's like by the time you check, you can't check in until three or four, you know, for your Airbnb, and then you got to check out at you know at 10 and. Sometimes I'm flying in the morning. The, the benefit of going to like a hotel is like 90% of the time I can go to a hotel. I can at least drop my bags off, right? And like keep them there while I go explore or go to a meeting. Or I would say also probably 90% of the time I can actually check into my room right then and there. And if there's, if there, if folks can figure out like flipping times or, or whatnot, like I, I do think that there is a, there is a opportunity for f- people to figure out how to design STRs for the business traveler. That is, a, that is an untapped, like I, I can't point to a brand that is doing that well on, on Airbnb. Yeah. I would probably like get a two bedroom apartment, 
put like a Peloton uh, infrared sauna, keep it super basic, like modern minimalist. Yeah, um, yeah. Maybe buy a whole like eight plex, put lockers on the ground floor for storage. And But yeah, cater to that specific need. Um, get what do business people want after a long day at a convention, you know, come back, hop in the sauna, have a quick workout. Like that's the kind of stuff I think people I agree should think about. Yeah. Um, again, because as there's trust in the platform, as the space gets bigger, more people are coming in, they know they'll pay more for added benefits because they'll trust it. Yeah. You should be investing in those, maybe what used to be like splurges. Um, but now like they're true investments and you will see a return on it. Yeah. And, and just a final point on that too. Like I, I find like I have a team that I'm responsible for too. And like, you know, I, I'm managing our, our travel budgets and all this stuff too. So it's like one of the, one of the big benefits too, if you can swing an Airbnb where, where there's like multiple rooms and it's like, and it's laid out appropriately. I, as a business person can actually save money for my team to travel. If I can put, you know, more than one person in, in an Airbnb. So I also think like slight tweak to your, to your plan there. Like, what does it look like to have a three bedroom place where you can rent, you know, two of the rooms are, are bedrooms. And then a third is like a, a gym or a sauna or something like that from a business, especially a small business percentage of uh, perspective right now too. Like there's a shit ton of teams who are fully remote now that are trying to get all their people together, like a few times a year to like have team building exercises and whatnot and so the 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 business traveler is also changing a little bit here and so i i think that there's just a huge potential for somebody to take this idea kind of like really run with it and own like who's going to design these strs for small businesses that want to save a little bit money of money on team travel still want to be able to give everyone on their team their own room but you know don't necessarily want to buy a hotel room for you know 25 people for a, a two-day like you know in-person team building exercise that they might be doing in nashville right so right Anyways, totally, man. Well, Buck, this has been amazing. Uh, appreciate your time and thank you for all you're doing in the space. Super excited about these projects. Um, for those who are interested in learning more about what Buck is up to and these projects, we'll have a bunch of links in the show notes below. You can connect with him on social media. You can check out some of his uh, uh, project decks. Anything that he's willing to to share, we'll have linked in the show notes below. But thank you, sir, for your uh, for your time and for all you're doing. Yeah, this is awesome. I, I love talking about this stuff. So we'll stay in touch in the group, Sam's STR and, and outside it as well, I'm sure. Hey friends, hope you've enjoyed today's show. If you are an Airbnb host or know an Airbnb host who'd like to come on the show, please send me an email at Zach. Z-A-C-H at spontaneous.com and we will chat. Behind the Stays is brought to you each week by Spontaneous, a carefully curated weekly newsletter that brings you the best last minute deals and upcoming steals on Airbnb. It's sort of like Scott's cheap flights, but for Airbnb. You can sign up once again for free at spontaneous.com. Last but certainly not least, I didn't believe in Marie Kondo's whole spark joy mantra until I started podcasting. Now, my joy is sparked every time I see a new subscriber roll in. So please hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And so you add a little spark to my joy fire today. Okay, that was kind of weird, but um, we're going to roll with it. Subscribe um, and thanks in advance. All right, everyone. See you next time. <laughs>